The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, this is a special show today. Okay. Now, I, I know you think you're the best-looking guy in hockey, post-hockey today. Well, is there somebody better? Well, I, well today there is. And my, my sister Lori had a huge crush. I think my mom oh, probably no, did, too. I know, I know who this we is. We got Ron Dugay today. Oh, God. Not him. Good thing this is just an audio version. Where there's no video, dudes. How you doing, brother? How are you? I'm I'm doing well, and uh, I got all dressed up for you, thinking it was video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember we went back and we started the our, our other show that we did on Thursdays? The first show we did. Dukes was in his bedroom. He's got the hot maid in the background, the whole bit. And oh, God, <laughs> that that was yeah. just a prop, Tommy. That was a prop. I know. No, I knew, you were good. <laughs> I knew you would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I I got to tell. I have to tell my quick Ron Dugay story, and then we'll get into the interview. Okay, so. You know, when you turn pro, the older players are there, like Carol Vadney was good with me. He'll give me pointers and everything like that. And a lot of the old guys come up and give you pointers on and off the ice. And so Dukes and I, you know, Dukes was a really quiet guy, actually, when he played. Uh, he's got a big mouth now. But so uh, we, we, we were sitting on the bus one night after a game, and Dukes sat behind me, and he taps me on the shoulder. I'm thinking, now this is, Dukes is going to talk to me. Ron Dugay is going to talk to me. This is a major moment in my life here. You know, I should maybe take this or something. So he, he leans forward, and he goes, Tommy? Sleep's overrated. You only need two hours of sleep every night. <laughs> do, you me- do you remember doing that? I don't know if you probably don't. Do you? I, uh, I don't. I don't. But uh, oh. words of wisdom there oh, as a young man. Yep. Right. <laughs> well, I have tried. I've tried to do my best. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I, I think I was convincing myself that, that was-, was OK at the time, <laughs> because you know how people talk about uh, preparation on doing stuff. You mentally prepare. Yeah, and if sure. you can think about things in a certain way. Yeah. It'll be okay. So back then, I was convinced that less sleep is okay. Yeah. I'll catch up when I get older. <laughs> sleep when you're dead, right? Sleep when yeah. you're dead. All right. So listen, so you grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, correct? Yes, near Sudbury. Uh, okay. Actually, north of Sudbury. It's, uh, it's, it's It was kind of in the valley of uh, Sudbury and small communities. And mm. uh, But yeah, the big town of Sudbury, I, only, I ended up there. Only after I ended up playing junior hockey for the city of Sudbury, which was the Sudbury Wolves. Right. So now, did you start off like really young, six years old, something like that? You put a pair of skates on? No, most of us, it's three. Three, I mean, yeah. Uh, Because, you know, our parents back then uh, wanted to uh, make sure that uh, we're going to have an opportunity to be a hockey player. So. As early as possible, right? It was like outdoing our neighbors, right? My son is three, and he's still he's playing hockey. So yeah, no, I I I don't remember it, but I know that I was told I was three. Then by the age of four, I was actually playing on the right. team. 
Right. Were you pretty good at that age? You start off like being that boy wonder? I would, if you were to come to my house, I have trophies for every year from the age of four on. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not not to brag, but yeah, I, um, I, I was blessed with having size and quickness. Yeah. And when you have quickness, it you separate yourself from everyone else. Yeah. And you can see that in the NHL now, the guys that are quick. Sure. It's just you don't even have to be great, but if you're quick, you create opportunities for yourself. Yeah, yeah you can handle the puck too. So, um, did you play any other sports, or is it just hockey? Um, well, from where I in Canada, I'm way up north, so yeah. you only you have an opportunity to play baseball maybe two months in yeah. the summer. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I did a little bit of soccer, but that was it. And the thing is, I didn't mind just taking the summer off sure. and really not doing much of anything. Right. Now you're like, you're a good athlete though. And that's the one thing I don't, people uh, don't know enough about you that you're just like, you're just a good natural athlete. That's what I see when I look at you. Right. Well, thank you. Uh, I, if someone was, a, if someone asked me, who do you think are the most athletic athletes or sports athletes? Right. And to me, it's hockey to be yeah. able to even just skate the way we skate without even putting the stick in your right. hand and playing the game. It, it, it requires athleticism. So, right. Uh, I think a lot of us are pretty good at doing most sports other than, I don't think you're a good golfer, right? No, the world's worst <laughs> golfer. Terrible. Oh yeah. God. I got, I got the Charles Barkley swing, right? It's terrible. Yeah. Well, plus you have the, the hands of a defensive defenseman. <laughs> you're being very diplomatic today, aren't you? It's, it's hands of stone. You kidding yeah. me? No, I, I don't want to say it that way. You uh, were effective. You uh, knew where the glass was off the yeah. glass and out. Yeah. That wow, is true. Really pumping your tires here. You were effective. I know, effective. Yeah, like you said before, it's like saying you're, you're pretty for a fat chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so you're a good player growing up all along. You're playing the travels teams, and all of a sudden now you're drafted by the Sudbury Wolves. Is that correct? Yeah. So I didn't start doing any travel stuff until the age of twelve. Right. So until the age of twelve, it was outdoor hockey, playing in an outdoor rink, oh, okay. which my dad. In our little community of 100 homes, and we had several of those, like six of them, right. little communities, 100 homes, and we'd play off against each other. Huh. And my dad was the president of the association, which yeah. was making sure that we had ice and the boards and all of that. So I say that because I have fond memories of being with my dad and working the rink and flooding the ice and all yeah. of that. So until the age of 12, wasn't it wasn't until then. I think the, the first uh, indoor rink was built in my right. area. So then, so then they once that was built, then the communities decided to put a like a, an all-star team or a travel team that played in the valley. So I was twelve, and that's when I started playing with what they would call an all-star team. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was fifteen, um, they would major junior drafted underage. So I was drafted at. 15 underage by the Subbury Wolves, which was my hometown, yeah. which was a blessing to me because I didn't have to leave. I was not ready to leave home like a lot of players have to do. Sure. To leave my mom and my home at the age of 15, I don't know if the outcome would have been the same. But to be at home, play all four years of major junior, and then by the time I was 19, 20, I was ready to play in the NHL. Sure. Isn't it funny to think back when you're 15, now the life that you have, when you think back when you're 15 or 16 years old and you didn't want to leave home, like now, now you're never home, right? You're gone yeah, all the time. Yeah. No, well, you even look at our kids, right? Um, would they have been ready? Like yeah. any of my kids ready to leave home at 15? No, absolutely not. And yeah. back then, that's what we, yeah. we would do. And some yeah. players would thrive off of it, right? Yep. 
yeah. maybe they're in a big family and they didn't have their own room and they didn't yeah. have this. And then all of a sudden they go somewhere and they have more space, more opportunities to do things. Some kids liked it, but the ones who were might, let's say a little bit spoiled, yeah. they just wanted to stay home. Yeah. No kidding. How many uh, children do you have yourself? I have three, um, two, uh, my two first are girls and then my son, Noah, who you met. Yep. Noah's a good and, kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, three. And then I have two kids that are stepkids, two boys from my wife, Kim Alexis. And now, now I have five grandkids. Thanks oh. to my daughters. Wow. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Nice. All right. So you go to Sudbury, you have four years there. The things obviously go pretty well for you. You're scoring a lot of goals. You know what? It's, uh, when I look at my pace as a, junior players almost the same as when i played in the nhl mm -hmm. like my first year as an underage i scored 20 goals right right and then my first year as a new york ranger scored 20 goals right. and it kind of gradually built from there 20 27 28 and then i got into the 40 45 right. it's almost the same as uh, the nhl the pace right. is about the same thing the right. amount of goals the amount of assists and it was in my third year as a junior where I broke, I still, there's a few records back in Sudbury where I crushed it. I, I, well, I was on a good team. I was, um, I, I got, uh, I can't remember the point total, but I got a bunch of points and I finished in the top five in the, in the league. And, and that's when I got drafted first overall. I could have gone, that's, I could have gone as an underage. And that's when that year that I was ready to go in the WHA, that's when they changed the, the rule oh, of right. no more drafting underage. So then I had to wait an extra year. Yeah, Ron, you had 42 goals, 92 assists, and 134 points. Not a bad season. Yeah. Not yeah. Yes. That, that was my career right there. Yeah. No, not, the, not the 42 goals. Yeah, the 42 goals. I didn't get many. Yeah. So, so you were a first-round draft pick? That's right. To the Rangers. In, as a junior, major junior, first-round pick. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. So what round pick were you with the Rangers at? First round, first round that? okay, that one. Yeah, okay. 13 overall. Everyone reminds me of this. You know why I went yeah. 13? Why do you remember 13? I don't know why. Why? Well, guess who went? Guess who went after me? That scored a ton of goals. Played for the Islanders. Oh, Trache or Bossy? Bossy. Oh, is that right? He went after you. Oh, he went 16. So the Rangers oh. could have had him. Right. Oh, how do you? Was he that good in junior? Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. It's just that back then, you know how the game was played. Yeah, roughly. I that's mean, right too. Junior yeah. hockey was the same as the NHL. Yeah. It was like it was like we were like gladiators on ice, bench right. clearing brawls up in the stand. It was the exact same thing. So. You know, with Bossy, you know, he wasn't, I don't think he's ever gotten a fight in his life. Yeah. So they were probably thinking, how's he going to adjust sure. to the NHL? Yeah, he adjusted all right. Yeah, uh -huh. well, the Islanders knew that they had Clark Gillies and yeah. they had Brian Trottier. They yeah. can put him on that line. Sure. And he had Bob Nystrom there to protect him as well and other guys. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So then, okay, so you had, you still had one year of junior eligibility left when you turned pro. Is that correct? No, I know what I'm saying is that I could have. Oh, That's when they changed the rule. So I, I was drafted as I was 19 years old when the draft. And then by the time I got to New York, I was I had just turned 20. And you didn't go to the Miners at all, right? You came right to the Rangers. Right to the Rangers. Scored right. 20 goals my first year yeah. playing with uh, Steve Vickers, Walter Kachuk. That's right. Uh, yeah. So so now at this point, I mean, obviously you're off ice. Uh, you're, you're off ice legend. Let me put it this way. Is that pretty accurate to call? Like page six, Studio 54, right? Yeah. Some people refer for, refer it that way, <laughs> legendary. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't like to kind of 
look at it that way because I'd rather be legendary on the ice. Yeah, well, I think you were. I think you were both. I, I, I've had this conversation with other people. In fact, I think you and I were at an event one time where somebody questioned, you know, if you didn't do so much off-ice partying, would you have played better? And I said to him, I said, well, you don't know Ron Dugay then because you were a great teammate. You showed up on time to play. You had your fun. We all had our fun. It's just your your fun was on page six, right? That was the difference. Our fun was not on page six all the time. Right. Well, and you know how they, they exaggerate most things anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, so they made it look like, appear like I was partying hard. I mean, right. I would in certain days I would. My Monday nights were the best nights for me. Sunday night, Monday night. Right. And that's when I felt like that's the time to go. And then right. I don't, you didn't have Donnie Murdoch as a teammate. No, did I did you? not. No, no. Yeah. So Donnie was my, we are, well, I was his wingman because he right. was a year older. Right. And, uh, and so um, we would party, but I always had uh, boundaries, I like to think. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I partied hard. It was fun. It's just that, the, you know, when you're seen on page six, um, then it, it appears like it's, you're going yeah. harder. I think I go harder now than I did then. <laughs> right. But don't, didn't they watch you like the Rangers and Sonny Werblin? Didn't they watch you out there? That was what they yeah. wanted. Yeah. yeah. So Sonny had uh, Joe, Joe Namath, right? Yeah. And he actually told Joe, listen, I want you to be great on the, on the field, but also go out and just be seen because it, it creates uh, wow. eyes, attention. And if yeah. you can take what you're doing off the ice and take it on the field and people are watching you. So he had Joe Namath. That was a success. So I was kind of uh, Joe's. If you look at this, uh, do you remember the penthouse magazine? Well, of course the penthouse, yeah. uh, but the form, the little. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So they, I don't know if you know this, but that was on the cover. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you Google that, it's me okay. with five or six penthouse girls. On it. And um, anyways, the title was the sun son of Joe Namath, Ron Duguay. (laughs) So, yeah, so Sonny Warblin, um, I can remember him having this kind of a, not a serious conversation, but he kind of referred to to Joe and, you know, just go have fun, but perform. And uh, because he ended up, he's the guy that, uh, because I was struggling to do my second contract in my third or fourth year. And then that's when he got involved and he signed me really quick and I had to end up having a seven year contract. So things didn't change until our buddy Herb showed up. (laughs) Oh, I know. So, but going back, when you came in as a young guy, rookie year, were you out partying right away? Like that was your lifestyle at that point? I was, I was comfortable with it because in my hometown, you know, I was somewhat of a celebrity there because I was doing really well. And, you know, we're, we're not 18, 19, we're sure. going out, we're having fun. Yeah. And so, you know, and then you're, you're figuring out how much partying can you do with still performing. Right. And so I had fun as an 18, 19 year old. And part of that is just being, that's how players come together. Yeah. You go cool. out and experience stuff. And yeah. so going to New York, it, you know what? I was not intimidated by it. It wasn't too big for me. It wasn't uh, like I would go to a lot of different places. I'd have my few locations I would go to. And of course I had Roger Bear who was there. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, right in the middle of all of it. And so I, I was comfortable with it. I, I was, um, you know, I love dancing, of course, <laughs> love the music. Stu- so studio was all about that. Studio 54. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Before we talk about that, you obviously, Ron, you had you have legendary hockey hair. But how did they? How did Sonny Werblin let the boys give you that initiation in your rookie year? Well, uh, I don't know who uh, 
who who decided that my hair was going to be the thing that they wanted to do on me. But I think back then they they shaved a lot of guys across yeah, the uh, yeah. NHL. So that happened in December, a week before December. Actually, it's almost to this day where I got initiated. Oh. If I was to go back, I bet you any money, it's right around today. Right. That I was where where it happened? Where was it, Deuce? Where was it? It was at Playland. Oh, it was. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So we were having practice at Playland. And for whatever reason, I don't know why I was, I stayed out. Normally I'm off the ice first, right? (laughs) Cause I got things to do. Yeah. Places to go. (laughs) Yeah. So for whatever reason that day I was on the ice to the end. And I don't know if Nick Fatio tricked me having me um, feed him some pucks so he can shoot. So he can shoot from the red line. Right. (laughs) It's a wrist shot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so him and I are last. And so I, just as I get to the, door of the dressing room nikki grabs me from behind mm-hmm. and he's behind me he grabs me from behind mm-hmm. almost in the headlock right and no as i opened the door and i looked i opened the door and there was the table right it was all right. set oh and uh and so he grabs me from behind and that's when that's when the guys kind of came and charged me right and my first response which i think carol badney was one of the first guys to come at me Right. Do you know that I had my skates on? I threw a boot at him. Oh, did you really? <laughs> I did, like oh. to, to have him back off. Like I, 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 I was thinking because if I fight off the ice, the boots, I'm booting you. Right. And so I was forgetting I had skates on. I threw a boot at him. I, did, you know, it's probably three feet away. Right. And uh, and I think I actually took a swing at him with one of my hands. Oh, so, so you were hot then. You were not accepting this. this was I like, was because I knew. That I hey, listen, my hair. Are you kidding right. me? Right. Anything but my hair. And I oh. knew they were going to go after my hair. Right. So I was fighting it as much as I can, thinking they, you know, they may back off. Oh, no. So I think I don't know if I just decided just to give in. Um, like, I just I probably just gave in because then they put me down. You know, they strap right. you down to the yeah. table, your hands and ankles right. and all that. And then uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember that. You played in that dressing room, right? Yes, you play line. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I don't remember this, but the uh, above the ceiling wasn't complete. You can see the yeah. pipes, the yeah. Uh, yeah. water pipes, and so I remember they threw a. Uh, oh no! A, a skate lace. Skate lace above yeah. it, down. Oh no! And then they lasso your penis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you, someone's got the other piece of the cord, where right. if you move, it's it's getting yanked. Yeah, something's coming off. So the two things you need the most: your hair and your penis, right? I. Yeah. Well, not in that order, but right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I managed. I managed okay without the hair. That's when I started wearing hats. Oh. God. Well, then of course I was so I was so embarrassed of what I looked like because I was just not used to seeing myself that way. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, Ron, your rookie card comes out that year, and, and you're you're buzzed. Yeah. Well, that's it. They take my picture in January. In January. <laughs> That's when they're taking pictures, and I'm looking the way I did. I look at that card, and it's kind of a profile picture. Yeah, yeah. And I look like, well, if you look at my eyes, are purple. Look like I've been partying all night. <laughs> it's not a good look, but it, uh, it's a unique card now. Right, right. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We got it here. Okay, so we get the initiation done, but the first year was pretty successful. You were you both on and off the ice, correct? Yes. Well, that's a that's what allowed me to be yeah. to feel free to go. Because I was performing on the ice. I mean, yeah. I scored 20 goals my first year. That's pretty good. I yeah. think maybe 45 points, 50 points, somewhere in there. Um, so I felt like, you know what? I got this. I'm okay. And no one's complaining. I'm working hard. And In fact, um, well, Zongi Talbot was our coach the first year. So 
there wasn't any complaints yeah. uh, with because they pretty much pretty much knew that we're all the thing is back then everyone's part well that's that's what i was going to say again yours was just on page six everybody was partying the whole league was partying back then so yeah yeah yeah. i mean i can remember sometimes they go in front of the net against guys that on the other opposing team and the breath on them i'm like oh my god take (laughs) a minute get get (laughs) drunk you get drunk on the ice from the breath yeah yeah oh god yeah yeah, you hear the old stories about the Philadelphia Flyers and the you know Broad Street Bullies. They were in the bar every day. They were the uh, black armbands the day their barn their uh, uh, bar bar burnt down. So yeah, yeah. Well, I well, you want to go back to training camp? You know yeah. what training camp was was like for me my first year. Right. So I show up, and that's when Esposito, um, Don Ori, uh, uh, let me say the guys. Well, Maloney and Gress and all that. You have the younger yeah. players, but Steve Bickers is there. Espo. And I'm trying to think of one other guy. Pat so Hickey? I, huh? Pat Hickey? Oh, uh, yeah, Pat Hickey was there. Right. But yeah. like three of them, the trainers come in and they give them their bag. And we right. just gotten there. So uh, they get in their bag. And they hadn't opened up their bag yet oh, from the yeah. season before. Sure, yeah. They hadn't been on the ice yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Because I'm going 100 miles an hour all summer. Yep. And so they're putting, they're actually using training camp as their day one of training. Yeah, definitely. So then you step on the ice and I'm trying to make the team and, and uh, 30 minutes in, into it, I get a tap on the soul from Espo. And he says, Dukes, let me tell you something. You need to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making us look bad. Oh. And so I said, okay. So I get through practice and someone, I, Oh, JD was on the team. John Davison. JD calls a team meeting, team meeting. Okay. Where are we going? We're going to uh, the Timothy Tubbs, I think it was called. It was a bar in uh, Long Beach, practice oh, in Long oh, Beach. Okay. So we called team and go over there. I'm thinking it's a meeting. Well, the meeting was we're having drinks. <laughs> and this is around one o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Oh, yes. And this is day one of training camp. And by five o'clock, well, everyone is lit up. Oh, yeah. So the married guys go home to their wives, go for dinner. And I think it was Dave Maloney, Gresh. They say, uh, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going home, taking a nap. And then we're going back out <laughs> for another meeting. Uh, and I'm thinking, and this is day one of training camp. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And we did this for three weeks. Oh, I know. Oh. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I think I'm going to like this league. And I, so when yeah. you look back back then, all the teams are doing it. Yeah. And that's why it wasn't until January. That the the pace would pick up. Yeah. Right. Training camps were a blast. Uh, Training camps were a blast. I used to love training camp. Yeah. Yeah. Other than other than this one thing, (laughs) playing against Philly. Oh, I know. In training camp. Oh. Oh, and I I kind of had an idea what it was going to be like, but I had no idea what it was really going to be like once you get on the ice and there's a bench playing brawl, and if you don't have the right partner. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> yeah. oh, I know. It's it's a long 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever long that that yeah. brawl is. And I yeah, end the, up in my first one, Dave Hoyda. Oh, he was tough. He was tough. And yeah. I end up hooking up with him. Wow. And uh and so and that's when Nick Fatia was going around and <laughs> fighting everybody. Right. And, uh, but so, you were you were tough yourself though, dude. Did you do all right in that fight? Well, it, so with Dave Hoyda. So yeah. we we lock on, right? And yeah. I think he senses that he, well, I'm I'm a big guy. I think he yeah. senses my strength. He yeah. doesn't quite know me, so he doesn't really try anything. 
Oh, he's just holding me and I'm holding him because I kind of knew who he was. Sure. And so I was just, I'm thinking, because I've been through brawls at the junior level. So yeah. the thing was, is that if you're going to start, you have to kind of play possum a little bit. Yeah. So I remember holding him. I had the grip on him and staying calm and relaxed because once it starts, because you can't, yeah. you can't have tension in your body because it'll tie you out. Because I remember he would kind of looking around. He wasn't saying anything to me. And I'm like, I'm just going to be ready. Just be oh, ready. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were probably like that for about 15 minutes. Oh, really? And then towards the end, he decides to try to unlock and try to hit me. Oh. And if you go back to look at that brawl in 78, I end up, uh, <clears throat> because I was strong enough, I was I was able to take him. I think I swung at him and I just took him down. Right. <clears throat> and then the officials came around. But this is my, I'm like, I just turned 20. Yeah. And uh, you're trying to figure it out. So, yeah, and uh, him and I fought one more time at some other and there's some other game right. and see i was always i knew how to grab guys yeah. and i had an idea how to fight yeah you were good but, yeah so just being able to to strategize is really important because you gotta you know as you know you gotta you get hit in the chin you're going down so you gotta keep yeah. your hands up but if you had an opportunity to grab the guy early you grab him early sure and you could never show fear never show oh, fear. Yeah. oh no way none of that yeah. almost almost a little bit crazy in fact i think my first fight after that training camp, I fought um, um, Billy uh, from the Islanders. Um, tall, Billy. What the heck's his name? Uh, Carol, no. or Harris? No, not Harris. Um, Dave Lewis, Billy. No, the centerman, tall, fast. Oh, Bob Bourne. Bobby Bourne. Yeah, I ended up getting. That was my first fight. Ooh, he could throw pretty good. He's lefty too, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. but I, if you, if you look at that fight, I was just, I was, I, I knew that I had to change my mindset going to fight. Like, cause I'm actually a nice guy. I yeah. had to get sometimes, into crazy. Sometimes. Yeah. I had to get into crazy in my head. Sure. Like just go crazy. And, um, and so I, I remember fighting, fighting Bobby and I remember fighting him. I took him down and I'm almost, almost yelling at him as I'm fighting him. Oh, like I wanted nice. to let them know that I was a little goofy. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, yeah, yeah. Good. All right, so you get you're going into career 1979. You guys go to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals against Montreal. How was that for you? Um, well, it was unexpected, right. and um, we I think we just made the playoffs that year. So what it was like for me, it was it was teammates. Yeah. How we I've became heard. a band of brothers. We had fun that year. We partied. Yeah. And uh, it was just fun doing it with a group of guys that you really enjoyed doing it with. Sure. And so then as you're winning, the momentum builds. Yeah. And uh, you're enjoying. I enjoy because if you look at my numbers in the playoffs, I love playoff hockey. Because to me, that's when you're actually playing for the Stanley Cup. And so I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I know Chris Kreider was uh, – fourth on the list with goals in the playoffs this mm -hmm. past year for the rangers all time for the rangers okay and guess who number three was all ron time Duguay. Ron, ron Duguay. all time who, and who's I, ahead, I had who's no ahead idea of you? who's ahead of you um it's gotta be leech right leech, at, maybe, it, i think there. maybe um was it mess um well roger bear maybe roger bear yeah probably them yeah Roger Bear and someone else. Anyways, I was third until Kreider caught me. Now I'm fourth. Uh, but yeah. the point I'm trying to make is I love playoff hockey. Uh, it brought the best out of me. And it was the experience of doing with a group of guys that we right. really enjoyed. And it happened early in my career. So you can have a feel for how hard yeah. it is 
sure. playoff hockey and to win what it takes to win all of what you go through. Yeah. And so as a very, it set me up for the rest of my career. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. You're, you're on, you're uh, tied with, um, Adam, uh, with Adam Graves for, oh, for fourth. Well, Just yeah. SGA Carter and Gilbert ahead. Well. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, so the, so you go to Stanley Cup Finals that year and lose. Next year, was next year, is that the year that they traded for Barry Beck? Yes. Ross, right? So traded five guys. Listen, Barry was fantastic, and he's a great friend of ours and everything. But that's kind of a little different, right? You go to the finals, and then you trade away five guys off that team for Barry Beck. Again, fantastic player, but that's that's a bold move. It, it was, and what? So, what is it? What? Where can you point the finger on not doing it again the following year? Because when you go to the finals, you're that close. Yeah, totally, you're maybe yeah. two players away. Sure. Right. And what gets you there? That's where these managers. I think more managers than coaches, they forget that um, the team bonding and character yeah, of your team. Yeah, totally. You may not have the best team on paper, but that's what got you there. Why yeah. would you want to break it up? Yeah. You know, nothing against Barry because I love Barry's great teammate, but it was they we it broke up the, the, the chemistry of the team. Yeah. The whole culture, right? Yeah, like real character guys, like was it yeah. Pat Hickey, she she and all those kind of guys who were Lucien Deblois, yeah, uh Mike McEwen. Yeah. Uh Mike was a great defenseman. Yeah, yes, he, he was a good player. He came back and played with us later on. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, right. So then uh, don't we got what you lose the first round that next year? I don't think it was the first round. No, I, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. I don't know. It was not the first right. round. Right. So then the big moment in your life, I come in the next year and play. Like, you're probably like, wow, I get to play with Tom Laidlaw, right? Yes. It took me a while to, uh, to okay. for you to allow me to warm up to you. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my best memories was, you know, so again, you come to the New York, New York Rangers, the NHL in general. You know, there's all these, like, characters there. You know, and Ron Duguay is obviously one of the characters. He's got the big hair. And we were on the bench one day. It must have been one of the first uh, preseason games. And all of a sudden, I'm smelling coconuts on the bench. 
and Dukes has got like his conditioner in there. And once you start sweating, the course, it's like, <laughs> you got to take care of that flow. Yeah. But I'll wow. tell you, when you first come to New York, I know, I don't think I was in awe, but I, I think it was probably just more in awe. I wasn't afraid of New York City, but man, it's when you first come to the city, it's, it's something pretty special, right? It was good. It, it is, but I didn't, uh, I didn't look at it that way for yeah. me because it's in me, the bigger, the better. Yeah. Like more yeah. people, bigger the lights. Like yeah. I would have not, I actually got drafted by Winnipeg in the WHA that year. Yeah. And I can't imagine no. what it would have been like. It would have been similar to being in Sudbury, my yeah. hometown. Yeah. Winnipeg's kind of the same. Yeah. I, I guess that would have been fine. Um, but for me, bigger the better. More fans, yeah. more, more this, more that, more lights. Right. It brings the best out of me to this day. Right. And we, again, we had kind of an average season. Freddie Shiro was our coach. He got fired partway through the year. Phyllis Mazzito retired partway through the year. So it wasn't a great regular season for us, but we had a really good playoff run that year. Remember we, 1980, we had the big brawl against the Kings in the first round? Well, that's it. We muscled up. Yeah. I mean, we, we may have been, other than Philly, we may have been the toughest team in the yeah. NHL to totally. play against. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got our buddy, our knucklehead buddy, Kotze, yeah. and then Eddie we got, we got Hospidor, yeah. and we got Barry Beck, and, uh, sure. Yourself. and we have you, of course, yeah. um, uh, but Hospidor was awesome. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he was a nutcase. I, I see him now. I can't tell now whether he was nuttier back then or he's nuttier now. I just don't know what the... Yeah, well, he, he keeps it he, he keeps it locked in, yeah. you know, um, but you go back and look at that brawl against... Uh, LA and oh. he's give he decides he wants to give it to their goaltender and then yeah. Marcel Dion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Eddie, can you you know you really gonna piss people off here? Oh. That was the classic one too. Nikki was not dressed and he comes down out of the stands because somebody grabbed Eddie from behind off the bench. Yeah, and Nikki started ragdolling the guy. <laughs> it was classic. Yeah. Why wasn't uh, Nikki playing? I thought he was hurt. I, I don't know for sure, but I thought he was hurt. I, I yeah. can't really remember. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, you know, talk about Nikki because I've seen him recently, and people ask me. Uh, uh, Freddie Shiro kept him the year before, kept him out of the Montreal Canadiens series. Yeah, yeah. and um, people wonder would that would have made a difference putting him in because Montreal wasn't uh, uh, a physical team, although they had size. Yeah, but they had big defensemen. Yeah. And couldn't Nikki made a difference, like to intimidate a few of them, go after sure. them, play a little bit, kind of put them on their heels a little bit. Sure. Because we played them. When you look at the series, it was like a nice series. Like we were playing pawn hockey against a great team, yeah. which we should have turned it into more of a physical game. Sure. Yeah. But you know, it's always you can always look back and could have you could you have done things differently. Right. So that year, then how many more years did you have with the Rangers? Well, I played a six. A total of six, and then I was brought back for two. That's right, too. So so we have that year where Freddie gets fired, and then now Herb Brooks comes in the next year. Can, kind of changes your career. He did for the better. Yeah. Yeah, because for that one year. Right. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, his style of game, which was puck control, uh, stay in motion, cycling. Yeah. Uh, although we have to keep our head up with Nick Fatio. <laughs> <laughs> with the cycling <laughs> oh god nikki was funny but he'd do things like herbie would say okay i want you to skate hard to the bench so nikki would take that statement and he'd take it to the umpteenth level yeah. right because he'd go flying towards the bench stop real hard and the snow is going all over the place like look out here comes nikki yeah yeah oh, because the, the point was 
we have an opportunity to get on and off. And yeah. kind of, there's an advantage there if you do it correctly. Yeah. But uh, getting back to my first year, yeah, I get, uh, you know, I, well, here's the thing. So I started that season off and I had played for in the Canada Cup. So I was okay. representing Team Canada. I missed part of training camp. I think most of it. I yeah. might have played one exhibition game against Buffalo. And I show up in great shape with some confidence playing. Yeah. I'm representing Canada. So I showed up there ready to go. And then I had that conversation with Herb. And he gives me Mark Pavlich. And it may have been Silky on the left side. I don't remember. I know I played with Dave for a while. Yeah. But he gives me Mark Pavlich. Oh, you guys are good together too, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And so he set me up to succeed. Sure. Plus his style was good for me because I was allowed to kind of leave the zone early, fly up the ice, and Pavlich would hit me, and I would I, I got a ton of breakaways that year. But it, it was just stay in motion, right, and uh, puck control, give and goes. Yep. And it was just – it was really suited. Plus, I was I think I was ready to break out. That was my in my fourth year, I believe. Mm -hmm. Fifth year? Probably yeah, fifth. it was in my yeah, fifth, fifth year. year. Yep. Yeah, so I was ready to break out back then. So, but I love Herb. And the other thing, the other reason I and I've said this the other day, someone asked me about Herb Brooks. I said, you know what? With Herb Brooks, I felt like he was the smartest coach in the NHL, and mm -hmm. that we were well prepared. Yep, we were well prepared. Now, had he had kept that team and kind of tweaked it a little bit, um, but also was it that year where he? Well, that's right. Did, who traded Kotsi and Haspidor? Did he do it? Well, that was during that summer, so I'm sure he probably said to Craig Patrick, "I want these guys gone." Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. that's I think that's was probably one of his mistakes. He thought he was going to take uh, college hockey to the NHL, and the NHL was not ready for that. Yeah. Although we we had success with the team he had, but I, I agree with you. We had some more tough guys on our team. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like I think we were there. Like we when we played against Philadelphia, we would just say to each other, "Say, listen, we're not going to fight these guys. We're not going to fight them. So just yeah. don't get involved in it. Just go play." Make them because they would. That's right. Because we played them in the playoffs, right? We beat yeah. them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that one playoff game. They tried to start a brawl, and I think yep. the rules had changed. And I ended up getting a fight with. I can't remember who it was, and I ended up getting thrown out of the game. Right. And uh, but yeah, we were like, let them take penalties. We're going yeah. to power play, and we're going to outskate them and outwork them, which it worked. Yep, totally. Yeah, so that's why I felt like Herbie. We were really well prepared. Yeah, totally. So what happened with you and Herb then? Nothing. Well, he had the good first year. Well, when I say nothing, nothing between him and I. Oh, personally, I, get, I got you. I got you. It yep. was we're like we never got in an argument. There was nothing. It was just that I think he, at the end of that year, he kind of would read page six. And for somehow it was rubbing him the wrong way, although yeah. I was performing. So the next year, training camp. I'm there three, two, three days, and I and Nick Fatio comes to me, says, "Hey, Dukes, you know Herb came and talked to me, and he, you look like you're out of shape." And he kind of was sending me a warning, like, "Don't think because you had a good year last year that you're going to get all this ice time." Well, sure enough, I started to see it. I'm on, I'm playing. I'm not even playing with Pat. Uh -huh. And then he diminished my ice time, and next thing you know, I, I'm playing on the third line. Mm. and I wasn't getting the time I was getting. And so what he did, I ended up only scoring. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what I Nin scored. It might 19. have only been 19 goals. Yeah. And that was all him messing with me. Th you, you would think that he would have um, I w just have a conversation with me, yeah. a man to man. Yeah. 
and just, you know, say, hey, Ron, I know you probably parted all summer. Yeah, I did. Um, and let's let's get you back on track. Let, let me work with you. All right. right. So you just can't do that again. But let me work with you. Right. But no, it's none of that. It's like he wanted to bring my game down so he can trade me. So he could trade you? Yeah. Really? Wow. Well, that's what happened. He traded me in the summertime. So right. obviously for him to trade me, he didn't want me there. And I was, you know, I'm not bad. In a, I wasn't a bad teammate. I wasn't bad anywhere. You know, no, I know you're a fantastic teammate. So yeah, that, that kind of baffles me. Like now that we're talking about it too, because yeah, you had the 40 goal season with him. You're playing great. You're with Pav. He was, Pav was one of his guys. Um, so yeah. he'll do what he did. Yeah. I wonder if some of his too, is he trying to send a message to everybody else too? Herbert's that kind of guy, right? Yeah, but it wasn't working very well. Yeah. It made him, it actually made him look bad. Yeah. And he but, wasn't getting projection out of me. Yeah. So now I think he ended up putting uh, uh, Hedberg with Pav. I think, right. I, right. I think that's what he did. Yes, it was. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I can't remember. Oh, you know who was my uh, limey? It was um, McPhee and uh, Mike Backman. Mike Backman. Yeah. And, and actually, you guys had some success too. Uh, I guess I guess we were pretty good. Yeah, maybe not in the same way you and Pav were, but as far as getting the puck down deep and banging and crashing and creating opportunities that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I was like a third-line checker now. Yeah, I'm like, I what? Know, so when did you ultimately get traded? That summer? It was right at the end of, like in June of that, right? The following right. season's over, he trades me. Right. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I think he, he just told – and that's where I'm disappointed with Craig Patrick, too. Like, you would have thought that Craig would have stood up for me. Yeah, but the thing with that relationship that they had, right? With Craig was kind of like the assistant to to Herb, and now all of a sudden Craig's the boss to Herb. So yeah, yeah, that was weird. I, I remember when that trade happens. Like, wow, like what is going on? Like, because Herb had made so many other changes before, right? Bringing in Robbie McClanahan and Pav and Ray Wootsalane and yeah, uh, Billy Baker and all those guys. And you know, Kotze's gone, Eddie's gone, and he traded Eddie Johnson, Eddie Johnson, Eddie Neal. You know, yeah. we all go to we all go to Detroit. Yeah. So and, another case. So twice now in your career with the Rangers. So you go there in '79 to the finals, and now they trade five guys the next summer for Barry Beck. We go to the semifinals in 1980-81, and now they trade a whole bunch of guys away again. Right. That, yeah. That's the one thing I had discussed before, where I loved playing for the Rangers, and I know I know you did as well. But I wish they had kept our teams together so we could have taken a run at it. Right. Well, that's it, and that's where managers think they they um, they get a feel for the dressing room, which they don't. Yeah. And we've seen this before. The coaches and go in there and managers will come in and mess a team up and then they get traded. Meanwhile, they mess all these players up also at yeah, the same totally. time. Totally. So how many years did you have in Detroit then? Three. And how'd that go? Yeah, two great years in Detroit. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 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 So I was a point of game in oh. Detroit. Point of game, playing with Stevie Eisenman. Right. That's Johnny right. O'Bronick. We were one of the top lines in the NHL. So right. can you imagine Herb now? He's looking at me. I'm one of we were one of the top lines in the NHL, right. other than Gretz. We might have been behind Gretz, the top line in the NHL. Right. So now yeah. you've got so when you leave New York after that way things went, so you have your confidence shot a little bit, or you were like, no, you still believed in yourself and you knew what you could do. Yes. Well, it, it was an eye-opener for me also. Right. Um, I'm going into my seventh year. I didn't like how things are going. And I had just met my first wife. Huh. And so I felt like, you know what? I need to, make, I need to now I'm going to Detroit, right? There's nothing else to do in right. Detroit. So I need to make a commitment to being the best that I can be. And that's sure. when I start changing my diet. And that's what was really the tipping point for me for my health. And right. to this day was that getting traded. 
I realized that uh, um, I, the other thing is, is that in my six, I was not feeling great in the second half of that year. Like mm-hmm. I would feel tired. Mm-hmm. So I think it was catching up to me. Sure. The partying and, and not being careful what you eat and all and not taking yeah. supplements. And so that's when I got traded. I thought, you know what? Maybe all this is happening for a reason. So yeah. I, I made some changes, changed my diet. Actually, I became a vegetarian for for a couple of years and uh, met my wife. And so I had asked her to marry me, had a child. So then I'm a, all in as a hockey player. Yeah. And uh, and they give me Stevie Eisman. I'm getting a ton of ice time, killing penalties, power play. And things are good as far as me personally the team was okay although we had brad park and even daryl settler held ended up there danny gear was okay so i enjoyed playing on that team but again you talk about coaches and firing coaches finding new managers they come in sure enough in my third year that's what happened harry neal comes in the worst coach in freaking hockey <laughs> tell us what you really feel dukes yeah no listen i love harry funny guy great on tv but as a coach, he was terrible. Oh, is that right? I, yeah, he was terrible. And um, and sure enough, and then he gets, I think he gets fired. And then Brad Park takes over. It was a mess. It turned out yeah. to be a mess. Right. And then so now Pittsburgh is looking for a winger to play with Mario at the trade deadline. Right. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when Pittsburgh um, trades for me. And it was a nice even trade, both sides. I can't remember. I think it was Blaisdell that ended up to Detroit. But for me, what I didn't want to leave Detroit. I, I kind of, you know, I have a family. I wanted to stay, you know, although I'm going to play with Mario. So uh, trade deadline, go and play with Mario because they're trying to make the playoffs. And so was Detroit. And sure. So um, having said that, I, I look back at the guys I've gotten to play with, you know, yeah. Yeah. from, you know, Pav and Stevie Eisenman. And then play with Mary a little bit, play with Gretz. So I've got to play with some great players and Tommy Laidlaw. Yep. Let's not forget Tommy Laidlaw. Yeah, really. <clears throat> so how how many years were you in Pittsburgh then? It was just the end of oh, the end okay. of, uh, right. one season, which was 13 games. I was a point a game with Mario. Right. Six goals. Uh, and then the following year, and this is kind of a story that, you know, that happens to players just odd things happen to players. So now the next year, I'm getting ready to play with Mario. I get to training camp. I got one stick. I had asked them to order sticks, Victoriaville. Right. And so I get to training camp, and I'm there one day. I break my stick, and I'm like, okay, where are my sticks? He says, Ron, we got bad news. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign right there. Victoriaville Warehouse burns down. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know that. That's not where I was going with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I have no sticks. Wow. I'm trying to play with Mario. And back then, we weren't really educated to our stick and the lie yeah, and yeah, this yeah. and the that. Yeah. And you kind of got a stick, you played with it, and you didn't quite understand it as much. Sure. Other what maybe the weight. Yeah. And and so now I didn't have a copy of I didn't have a pattern. Right. Because now I'm going to use Sherwood. I got no pattern. I'm taking sticks off the shelf right. of other players. I couldn't make a pass. I couldn't receive a freaking pass. So now I'm struggling, right? right? Two months into it, I'm struggling playing with Mario. And um, and Espo had just told me, he says, um, he says, Dukes, if I take over the job in New York, I'm bringing you back. Well, it worked out because I was struggling and Pittsburgh was okay with trading me. Oh, okay. And so that's when Espo trades me back to New York. Right. 
Well, now I go back to New York and I still don't have freaking sticks. I'm still messing around with trying to grab something. And so I kind of struggled a little bit there also. And, and so I think that was the end of uh, maybe the middle of the season. The next season, I think we start up again. And I had told Espo, I said, Espo, be a chance to trade me to LA. Please do it because my wife's from there, right? Oh. And um, I had gotten hurt. I end up, I said, uh, I gotten hurt. I end up going, uh, Espo was, I heard that Espo talking needed players to go play in the minors in Colorado. And I said, Espo, I'll go. You'll go? I go, yeah, I'll go. I need to get back at you. I'll go. So I go down and it goes on waivers that I'm down, right? So Robbie Fatork's coaching in LA yeah. and he sees that I'm sent down. He's thinking there's a problem. He calls Espo, says, Espo, would you trade Dukes? You know, Robbie's coaching in LA. Sure. He goes, well, make me an offer. Espo needs a D. So they offer up uh, Hardy. Oh, that's right. Mark Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. So Espo took the trade. Say, Dukes, this is three weeks after I said something to him. Right. So off I go to LA. So, you know, it's just funny how things end yeah. up. Yeah. Well, it's obviously a compliment to you because Robbie played with you in, in New York, played with both of us. So now he wants you back. Right. So that's what he, he thought of you. Yeah. He wants me back. So I yeah. finished that year with him. Yeah. I have a whole other year with him. Yeah. You're there. I'm playing. I, I'm now my game's changed. I'm on. Yeah. I'm a defensive forward playing with Kusinski, Tanelli. Yeah. Well, you know what happened that summer. Robbie yeah. says, "I'll see you next year." Couldn't be happier, Ron. Yeah. Robbie gets fired. <laughs> there's a there's a pattern here, Dukes. There's a pattern here, oh. right? And who who do they bring in? Tommy Webster. Oh, I know. God. Who was in New York yeah. when I was in New York, struggling a little bit? Came here. Yeah. Yeah. And so he doesn't like me. So as soon as he gets to the job, he looks at the list. I don't want Dugay. Oh, is that right? Oh. Yeah, right away in training camp. Remember training camp the following year, show up. Right. He could have told me in the summertime right. that he was going to want me. Right. Day, maybe, I don't know, day four or five in training camp. And I think I'm flying in training camp. He still says, no, don't want you. He would actually say that to you? No, he never said that to oh, okay. me. He okay. just, we, we don't have plans for you. Okay, gotcha. So now you're a week into training camp and you're not quite, okay, what do you do now? Right. Right. And I still want to play. I'm only 32 or 33, still yeah. want to play. And so I didn't, I got, you know, then people find out, uh, you know, there's opportunities to play in Europe back then. Right. So I got a call to go to uh, Germany. Oh. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. How was that? Loved it. Oh. Oh, loved it. It was like playing yeah. pawn hockey. You can't after leaving oh. the NHL. Right. And it's Division One, playing, making decent money. Right. The guy, the owner, gave me this beautiful home with a Mercedes to to drive and house mm -hmm. and and. Uh, but even at that point, I'm still didn't get my game back. Right. You know, because that whole stick thing messed me up. Right. And uh, you know, you lose your confidence, and next thing you know, on the third line, and unless someone really gives you that opportunity, you're kind of stuck there. And so my my mindset said, I'm going to become a good defensive forward and then Robbie was really good at teaching me how to do that which sure. was you know part of it how do you defend your end don't leave soon cover your d yeah uh in a certain way and position yourself in certain ways so anyways I kind of lost my scoring touch although I did okay in Germany and so that's kind of how the ball the ball bounced for me right <laughs> like I only played 12 years in NHL I should have played 16 yeah I, I, you made that comment to me before yeah yeah, yeah. that is true right yeah because 
once you establish yourself as a player, you think, man, you want to get the most out of it, right? What? Well, the thing is, I had the size, I had the speed, I wasn't hurt, yeah. I could still skate, go yeah. 100 miles an hour. But it was like, no, we're going with younger players. It would yeah. that would be the answer as I got older. Yeah. And then at the age of 34, I go to so Tampa Bay's starting their season. Espo's right. managing. Right. Espo offered me to do, uh, I think it was TV or radio. Oh. And I said, well, Espo, you know what? I really want to play. He goes, you do? Yeah. Can you give me a shot in training camp. He said, okay. So I gave up that offer. The other opportunity, I go sure. to training camp, flying, right? First day, I'm crushing it. And day two in the exhibition game, I uh, I get I get hurt. Oh. Dislocated my my thumb, slight separation of my shoulder went flying into the boards. I never get hurt. And then I was out for about two, three weeks, and then and they decided they want to go with younger players. And then I end up taking that job on the radio. But still, now I'm 34, and I still wanted to play. Right. So you still want to play now. You still think you can play. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I can I'm watching. Yeah. I went to the Ranger game last night and I'm watching warm up. And if there was anything, there's not like there's a lot of things that I would really, 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 really want. Right. Because I've had a good life. But to step on the ice to do a one more warm-up yeah. as a yeah. New York Ranger, like yeah. get myself like in great shape just to do warm-up to get that feeling right. and maybe do one shift in the game. Right. My God, that that would be to me that would end things, and it would be like wow. Well, well you kept playing, Ron. You were playing late, well, for pretty recently, actually, right? Ten years ago, you're still playing a little bit. Well, I've always, I've never stopped playing because I always do like uh, alumni games. But yeah, I played at the age of fifty-two. Was it when I played a couple games in a minor? There was a minor league, and you you were coaching and playing a couple times too, right? They'd be uh, player coach. Weren't you player coach? Yeah, I did that in Jacksonville before I became a coach. Before I became a coach, I played six games because I was playing in the men's league. And I was in, you know, back then, I mean, I'm always keeping my legs strong. And so I played like six games and uh, I I just enjoy it. So Dukes, when we play in alumni games, they usually put Dukes and I on opposite teams because we're the best shape of all the old fat guys. So uh, I tell all the guys on the team, I said, listen, one thing we got to do, not let Ron Dugay score no. in the game. Don't let him yeah. score. And Dukes is still competitive too, right? So it's funny at first, early in the game, he's joking around the whole bit. By the end of the game, he's taking slap shots. He's going to score no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know you know what that comes from? Uh, that comes from me being unsatisfied with my career. Like I feel like I need to score another goal. I need to score another yeah. goal. That's being unsaid. When I left the game, I didn't leave it on my terms. That's yeah. where it comes from. I am, still... yes, I'm competitive, but for a while, like I would play right after, like I would play these celebrity games yeah. and I'd be going hard and people would be like, Oh yeah. You, you, Ron, you need to slow down. You're yeah. taking, well, I, I couldn't help it. I know. I had to take... prove you... something to myself. You did take it easy on Bernie Perrant though in the, uh, the alumni game. Yeah. No, I know. You that, that missed goal is probably the most important missed goal in my yeah, career. Yeah. You're being a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I run into flyer fans now and they, when they hated me, they love me now. Yeah. So people don't know we were playing an alumni game and Bernie Perron was in and uh, you know, first of all, he's an older gentleman now, hasn't played a whole lot. He was a hero there in Philadelphia where the game was. And Dukes gets a breakaway. Now he could have gone in and scored, but he was very nice. He shot it into his pads. And I think Bernie was very thankful too, right? That you shot into his pads. He came up and said, uh, well, yeah. And I don't, I, I'm assuming he knew that I did that yeah, because yeah. I didn't make it look like I kind of looked like I was shooting, but I right. flipped it. Yeah. 
in the middle of his pads. And you know what's funny about that? You know, remember our coach was uh, Mike Keenan. Oh, yeah, what a jerk. Yeah. So Mike, he, he shortens the bench. He, Dave Maloney not playing in the third yeah. period. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I'm the last one to leave with Mike because Mike and I have become friends. And well, the that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot you guys were friends when I called him a jerk. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike's Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he is fun. So, um, so we're leaving the dressing room at the end of the game. And Mike is like, we lost 3-1, right? And Mike's like, he's talking about the game. And it would have been nice to win for obvious reasons for right. him. Right. And he goes, yeah, you know, if you had scored that on that opportunity, a breakaway. And he was completely serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> He's, and he goes, but I, I understand why you did what you did. Right. But he wanted to win still, yeah, for himself. He yeah. F-bombed Tom at that game, too. So, yeah, at the end of the second period, I'd been playing a lot, and we had like 20 defensemen, you know, playing. So uh, so I went into him. He was standing there with Mike Richter in another room, and I said, listen, I, I've got a lot of ice time. If you want to get some of these other guys on the ice, please do. He goes, He's just, I'll decide who plays on the F and ice or whatever, something like that. Hey, Tom. So we should talk to our listeners about Selly Salt. What a great product. I, I tried it for the first time last night. I know you use it all the time. It's one of the reasons I'm such a great cook because Selly Salt, that's right. Selly Salt comes in three flavors. It's created by two hockey moms. Yep. I personally tried the, the salt, um, garlic, and pepper mix. And oh my God, on, on a bagel with uh, avocado. It was amazing. Right. So the two, it's Pam Auger and then Lou Cannon. I like to call it a loose cannon. So they develop their own salts. They make it out of their own garage. They package themselves. So they're good. And they're real go-getters too. They're, they're fun people to Absolutely. be around. Yeah. They have three, they have three products. They have celery salt. They have the um, pumpkin hot, hot spicy salt. They have the chirpin herb. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a great product. Our listeners, if anyone wants to purchase it on their website, cellysalt.com, they can use code full change. You get 10% off. And uh, I, I, man, I, I loved it. I tried it, like I said, for the first time. It was amazing. And I use it all the yeah. time. And it's lower sodium, too, because you use regular salt. It's just salt. So in their mixture, there's uh, salt, pepper, and then whatever else. They put garlic in it or else paprika. Wow. Yes, that was a hard one to say. Jellysalt.com. Use the coupon code full change. Paprika. There you go. All right. So, uh, so, Deuce, no, so your career is done. You've tried played. You're in Europe, played a whole lot. You expressed how much you still enjoy playing, still want to play. But what else have you done? I know you did a lot of TV work with the Rangers there for many years, too, right? Yeah, I did 12 years of uh, MSG TV. Right. Um, kind of the face and the voice of the New York Rangers, yeah. uh, which I really enjoyed. Sure. It took me about four years to really feel comfortable doing that because, oh. yeah, you wouldn't think that because. You know, I can do an interview all day long. I can talk hockey, but when you're doing it a, as yeah. a, a job and there's technique to it, yeah, and you have to work by seconds, you got a producer in the ear, and you got to condense your answers. Yeah. You got thirty seconds. It was. It took me a while. It took me a good four years to feel comfortable. Sure. And there were times that I'd be sitting there and I'd be looking at uh, Al Al Trodwick, yeah, and I'm getting ready, and it's like. Uh, getting ready to go on the air, and I I sit there, and I'd, I I would buy. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe it's me no. sitting here talking no. Rangers. Really, it, it could be a lot of people. Yeah, I would pinch myself, like, wow, this like it's really special. Maybe because at the beginning I didn't quite have the, I knew I could do it, but maybe not the confidence in myself like I needed to. Right. But towards the end, I I got it because I would get, uh, 
once I got better at it, I got a lot of compliments from yeah. the fans, how they appreciated me. So then it builds your confidence. Now you feel like, okay, I belong. Yeah. But and I, I said this earlier in the show too, really, and I mean it's a compliment to you. Maybe it's not a compliment either way, but it's not an insult. Certainly, that you really didn't talk that much in the locker room. Like you weren't a real talkative guy. So when I saw you start doing the, the TV and the radio, I thought, wow, he's really stepping out. That's and again, it wasn't like you didn't talk at all, but it wasn't like you were one of the talkative guys in the locker room. No? I was not. I was mm-hmm. not. And um, it it certain things happened to me at like at the end of my career where it kind of took me out of my comfort zone. I started to speak more and it's, I think part of it is just, it's um, understanding. Here's one thing, understanding, unless you got something good to say, you're better off just staying quiet. Yeah. You don't have to talk. Yeah. You don't have to talk. And I was, you know, I was more or less listening and learning and uh, a little bit, I would say a little bit shy. Um, I don't know if it was shy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say shy. I just, I just just very careful of what, I would, yeah. I say, like, I don't want to say something that may not come out right. right. See, and, my, pro- my problem, Dukes, is that I think everything I say is important. So, right. yeah. Well, everyone stops and listens yeah. to Tom. That's yeah. why people follow you at the garden. Yeah. Something, right. Tom's going to say something at any time that's going to be so profound. They're going to be able to use this for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, just, just wait five minutes. He'll tell you again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to, dudes, I'm starting to tell stories over and over all the time. And even when somebody reminds me that I'm telling the story, I have to power through and I have to say it again. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second time you said that story today. Well, that's. <laughs> That's that's confidence. Yes, it is. You got to believe in yourself. Totally, yeah. So then you did the uh, the podcast uh, with New York Post, correct? Yes. Did that for two seasons, which I really yeah. enjoyed because yeah. a different format. Yeah. Um, and I, I was able to uh, be able to control the show, let's say. You yeah. do have a producer, as you do. Yeah. Um, but pretty much it was me and my show yeah. versus someone else's show. So I did that for two seasons with uh, the great Larry Brooks and Molly Walker. Yeah. And you would be our guest. And um, so I really enjoyed doing that for two seasons. Yes. Right. So and the other that? thing is that uh, in between that, uh, I was um, mentoring kids in the schools in the Bronx. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that project. Yes. yes. Yeah. I did that for two seasons with Stefan Mateau. Yep. And that was a whole other thing that I didn't know I had it in me. Just like coaching. I coached four years. Right. You missed that part. I coached four years in the minors. That's right. And yeah. If you look at my numbers, it was it wasn't easy because uh, minors are difficult yeah. for different reasons, but I end up winning a championship. Oh. Yeah. in the minors, I, I won as a player, won a championship when I played for the San Diego Gulls. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I won a championship there as a player. And as a coach, I did it in the minors also, Pretty which cool. I was hoping that would lead to something bigger and better. Right. Here's another thing that happened to me. So I win. Uh, Donnie Maloney is managing the Rangers at right. the time. Right. So I was looking after I'd done that for about four years, I felt like, you know, I'm ready to move up. So I had talked to Donnie about possible opportunity. He goes, oh, run. I know you're doing well because they had given me a couple of their players. Right. And so I helped, uh, I helped them and become better players. And so Donnie says, you know what? I'm seriously considering you to coach the, the American hockey league team in Hartford. Well, great. I'll call you. We'll talk in the next month. Donnie gets fired. Uh, you know what it is, Dukes? I think people being associated with you getting fired. I that's you're the problem. Yeah, you talk uh-huh. about good and good breaks, bad breaks, and then Schoenfeld takes over. And I think he ended up coaching, I believe. Yeah. And so that kind of got squashed. And after that, I didn't want to go back to coaching in the minors at the level I was at. And that's where I had the opportunity to do TV. Okay. And I got the job. They wanted to interview me. I got the job right away. And I did 12 years there. So mm-hmm. 
Um, I thought I'd just back up on you because you missed a couple of parts. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> One last question for me, Dukes. Have you, uh, you've had a fantastic life so far. You got a long, long way to go still. Great playing career, all, all the stuff you've done off the ace. Any regrets at all? Uh, uh, wow. No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I, cause it would, my, I have disappointments of not having, as I mentioned, yeah. not played long enough, but regrets. I, I don't think so. I, I know because I, I would think if I had regrets, I would think about it. Yeah. But I'm See, not one, I'm not one to really live in the past too yeah. much yeah. Totally. on things I may have done wrong. Yeah. If, I mean, there are small things, but not not in a big way, because I always felt like I always worked hard. I was always prepared. Sure. I trained, tried to be the best I be I can be most of the time. Uh, may have partied less. Do I regret? Nah. Not look at that really. history, though. <laughs> no. we, we didn't really talk about it. Look I at would, that history. That's not a regret, I don't think. Yeah. We live life all out, right? Like That's your life. When I look at Ron Doogie, I would say that you lived your life all out. Ron right? had a lot of friends. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes. Yeah. And so, I, post, I post them all in my, in my kitchen cabinets too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, no, about, uh, no regrets. But what about your current uh, situation, Ron? Cause uh, your, your current friend is very, uh, it's a, it's kind of different dynamic for you, right? Um, you're talking about Sarah Palin, my yes, friend Sarah Palin. Yes. Um, yes. So Sarah and I, it's almost, it's been a year almost to, to today, uh, in December that uh, we met. And um, so that relationship has been different because of the lane that she's in, which is politics and politics nowadays is ugly. And uh, and Sarah's very she's very uh, she's famous because of what she went through running as vice president. So she draws a lot of attention and which I'm fine with. It's just a different type of relationship. She's a very unique woman, different and very smart lady. And um, so um that's what i'm going to now very good spending well, a lot well, of time so, in alaska well mystery alaska yeah yes. I, and i give you credit too some some guy named ron greshner uh, we had a, a bet that the over under was like one month on that relationship and we were wrong yeah and i'm, I'm glad to say we were wrong too that's good we're very happy yeah yeah no we're there's a, in a lot of ways we're compatible yeah. um and um but you know only time will tell what happens yeah, you, you spend the same amount of time in the bathroom getting ready in the morning, like getting, getting the hair done and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's nice. I, you know, I did a makeover on myself about five years ago yeah, with, the, yeah. with the hair. So the hair thing is much easier now. I don't need a hair dryer. Yeah, the, hair, the hair is though. Come on, the hair is impressive, even to this day. Mine, you're talking my hair. No, not yours. Oh, okay. Do you do you and Henrik like when you guys meet up? Do you like see who's better looking? Do you guys fight it out? No, you know it's funny. I, I you know I've watched. Henrik from a distance. I've been around him a little bit. We've we've had a few drinks. I've gotten to know him a little bit, but no, it's not like we run in the same circles. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, dudes, listen, uh, I mean this very seriously. I was a teammate with you twice, once in New York and once in LA. You're a fantastic teammate. We talk about the fun times and the party and all that kind of stuff. But I, the guy I remember always showed up for practice, always showed up for every game. Great team player, stuck up for his teammates, scored goals, did a lot of things. So you had a fantastic career, brother. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And um, that's always good to hear because I, as I mentioned, I, I'm a little disappointed with my career, but uh, I went hard when I did. Yes, you did. You lived all out. Listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. You did a fantastic job. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Ron. Later. Oh, that was Duguay. It was just a great episode. I mean, the guy's a legend for 
on and off the ice, but you, yeah. you were swept up in all that. Well, you don't really spend a lot of time with him off yeah. the rink in the in the yeah. heyday, right? Yeah, it's funny. We talked about him being such a partier and everything, and he was. He was a professional partier. He was very good at it, but he was a great teammate too. Like he was really like a a guy that would battle it out in the trenches, you know, do fight for his teammates, score goals. So that's how a great athlete too. So, you know, and it's funny, uh, we talked about the show a little bit, you know, we were all partying at that time. Right. He was just on page six. So that was the <laughs> difference, but he was a great teammate. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, good looking guy, you know, yeah. he had those looks. He's perfect for that at that time. So yeah. Legend. And uh, that was a great interview. Yeah. He's got a great person. It's funny. Cause he really didn't talk that much. We touched on the show. He really talked much when he played. He's certainly talking a lot now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.